I exercise in a most unusual way. This episode of Stuck in the East has been brought to you by... I am the monarch of the sea. The 80s Cruise. Find out more at the80scruise.com. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me a Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Try not to look at anything. Great Scott! Jennifer could conceivably encounter her future self. The consequences of that could be disastrous. Doc, what do you mean? I foresee two possibilities. One, coming face to face with herself 30 years older would put her into shock and she'd simply pass out. Or two, the encounter could create a time paradox, the results of which could cause a chain reaction that would unravel the very fabric of the space-time continuum and destroy the entire universe. Granted, that's worst-case scenario. The destruction might, in fact, be very localized, limited to merely our own galaxy. Well, that's a relief. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spearson. Today, we're going slightly ahead to October 21st, 2015. Or, if you prefer to look at it this way, we're going to go back 26 years so that we can time travel to October 21st, 2015. And then we go back to 1955. Great Scott! It's our podcast on Back to the Future Part 2. Something very familiar about all this. If my calculations are correct, then he just got back from having a load of manure removed from his beloved Spitfire. It's my co-host, Brad in L.A. Steve, I rolled the Spitfire in a drag race. Get it right. What is? And I suppose you postponed the podcast today so you could put a second coat of wax on it. Just starting the second coat now, Steve. So it, this is really big. Um, here we are. The Internet gods have, have stopped the yellow rain on us. And we don't... <laughs> We don't have to see any more. I don't even Facebook. know what that means. <laughs> we don't have to see any more uh, Facebook posts. Today's about- the day that Marty went to the future. See, yes. it's today. How many times in the last three years have you seen an, a Facebook post okay. saying today is the day that Marty goes it, to the future? You don't even have any idea how much how much delight I take in the no, it's not SmackDown. Yeah, no, it's not. It's really not. <laughs> God, constantly constantly so uh shortly within a few days depending on when you're listening to this podcast you will actually be on october 21st 2015 and we will have flying cars Uh i'm gonna be looking out for tranks lobos (laughs) oh my god so it's time to honor we we've done a podcast before on back to the future and i think we probably touched on part two and part three um but i also know that was one of our most uh, maligned podcasts that really? we did. Yeah, for some reason, uh, Sean Daly was never a fan of, of doing a movie podcast. He always thought, especially if it was a funny movie, he always thought that you can't be funnier than the actual movie, so why bother trying to honor it? And mm. you and I have taken a slightly different tact. That's an interesting gambit. Interesting yeah. gambit. <laughs> so we, we instead choose to honor it anyway, and and rightfully so, because I think this is this is a pretty yeah. fun sequel. You know, and the double your money back guarantee always applies. Of course, of Just course. Fill out that paperwork. You can pick it up at your local Stuck in the right. 80s franchise and uh, send it to me. Or you can badger us via email for a free keychain. That also works. Keep it. I got a 
A little background on the movie. Uh, Back to the Future Part 2 was released on November 22nd, 1989. So it barely oh, squeaks into Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, Thanksgiving weekend. Do you remember? Did you see it in the theaters? I'm sure I saw it in the theater. I don't remember the exact. Uh, I, I'm not like Marty-like in my ability to recall. Oh, yeah, I saw that at the Shepherd Twin. At the, you know, It was a, a nice day. The sun was setting as we went into the theater. Uh, my date was a B cup. I don't, I just don't have that kind of <laughs> recollection, but I uh, do remember seeing it. And the thing I remember the most about it is the uh, Back to the Future three trailer that's basically embedded in the closing credits. Yeah, and it's like, wait, what? It's coming out this summer? How? How? What madness is this, Steve? How can they have possibly filmed it? Or oh, they have time machines. <laughs> We only we wouldn't really possibly gather that thirty years into the future, the idea of filming um, uh, sequels back to back would actually make sense and be possible. It's brilliant! It's absolutely brilliant when you think about it. Peter Jackson got his idea for Lord of the Rings from Back to the Future, as well as one of his lead actors. Use your hands. That's like a baby's toy. Right. End of show. There we go. Roll the <laughs> closing credits. Drop mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I actually, I, I know I saw it in the theater. I like you. I have zero recollection of the experience. Nineteen nine, November twenty yeah, second. We would have. I would have been out of college at that point. Me too. So yeah, I mean, I was kind of adrift there for a year or so out of college. <laughs> God, Thanksgiving. I, I don't. You know, <laughs> my only recollection of that might have been. Oh, man, I mean, I just I, I was living in Tampa, and that's it. I mean, I, I, somewhere I went and saw the theater. I saw the yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, like we said, uh, Back to the Future Part Two was filmed back to back with Back to the Future Part Three. The uh, the plot, as we all know from our homework, uh, after repairing the damage done to history during his uh, during their previous time travel adventures, uh, Marty McFly and Doc Brown travel to the, of course, aforementioned date of October twenty first, twenty fifteen. It's your kids, Marty. It's your kids. It's got to be done about your kids. And they're horrible accent. <laughs> it's it's not bad. It's, it's better than me trying to do it. I mean, stuck in his nation has pretty much made it very clear they do not want me doing any more celebrity Please, imitations. No more voices. Well, what was the, the one that people were the so imitations mad about? in our house are so bad that we basically try and do them as bad as we can. What was good day, my tie? What was the one that got everybody so upset that I did? I don't remember. Oh God. I've blocked it from I'll, me. Although I think that you know the Night Ranger is Southern Bell is still always always good for a laugh. <laughs> yeah, and there's the connection there because uh because of Michael J. Fox. But anyway, so they're there to go back to prevent uh you know their kids from ending up in jail. Well, and I don't know. Did you have you watched the commentary track that's on this? No. Zemeckis really regrets the throwaway joke at the end of the first one. It's your kids. Something's got to be because then he, he says we had to address that we couldn't make the movie we wanted to we whatever we were going to do we had to deal with that kind of right. what, we, what was originally a throwaway well and, and from what i have also understand zemeckis and bob gale who wrote it have both said neither one of them were interested in doing a sequel in the ending of the first movie where it says you know to be continued was meant to be a joke it was meant to be a joke oh, just like the story goes on yeah but but alas everyone just took that to mean oh my god there's a sequel coming up yeah, in we should Maybe they'll double bill that with uh, you know the World Crime League picture from uh, <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai. Oh God, please no! Or Grease Three, which didn't also have <laughs> another one that didn't happen. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so Back to the Future Part Two comes out. It didn't do as well financially as the first movie did, but it was still the third highest grossing movie worldwide in 1989. Uh, I gotta think the first one had to be the top movie grossing of, of its year of 85 probably uh, do you know what the two higher grossing movies were in 1989 let's see 89 um hmm. well, uh, there was a there was an indiana jones movie that summer wasn't there ah uh, the last crusade you yeah. chose wisely <laughs> Oh, good. Let me go pour some of that water on. Yeah, I can't think what else that year. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It was a Michael Keaton movie. Michael Keaton. Um, oh, Batman. Batman. Oh, I love that. You know, it's so. You, have we done a show on Batman? No. No. 
I don't know that it holds up very well, but I think it's interesting to look at. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I think I've seen it recently. It's it's very cartoony. Yeah, but it's I don't mind it. I mean, no, I I liked it. If I, you talk about my favorite Batman movies, it's it's probably and I, I mean this goes against my whole uh, mantra, but it's um Batman Begins would be my favorite. Sure, and then and then the original Batman, and then. Probably some of the other Crispin, some some of the other Crispin Glover Batman movies, which nobody saw, but except so, for me, yeah. because clearly I don't know the difference between Crispin Glover and the actual actor who did the other Batman movies, um, whose yeah, name is who takes a shirt off in every movie. Uh, what's his name? Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. Far be it from me to confuse, you know, Crispin Glover and Christian Bale. So so similar in body yeah. types that it's, and somewhere Adam West sits a single tear trickling down his yeah. face. God, I can't believe he's still alive. Anyway, I shouldn't jinx things because the way things are lately with with my evil hand of death, I may have just cursed Adam West. <laughs> the curse of Spearsy. No, no, it wasn't my fault, sir. It was Needles. Needles was behind and the whole you thing. you cooperated. No, I didn't. Uh, it was a sting operation. You I was, I was, I was setting them up. Read my no, thoughts. No, please, no, I cannot be fired. I'm fired. Ah. So when you think of um, Back to the Future Part 2, I mean, to me the first thing that jumps out is – the craziness involving the casting. Sure, yeah. Two actors from the first film, Crispin Glover, not Christian Bale, Crispin Glover and Claudia Wells do not return. Right. Claudia Wells, who played Jennifer Parker, you know, uh, McFly's girlfriend, she wanted to reprise her role. She was all set to do it, but then she had to turn it down because her, her mom got sick. Yeah, uh, that's too bad. And then I think a lot of people kind of know about the Crispin Glover story. He was asked to reprise... What, well, what is that story, Steve? <laughs> he was he was asked to re- reprise the role of George McFly. He was interested, but they couldn't agree on a salary. They basically wanted to pay him, or this is what he says: they only wanted to pay him one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Okay, which was half of what everybody else was getting paid. Okay. Now, granted, though, in the movie's defense, he had a smaller role in the second movie. Well, now here's something I I was just thinking about this because I I go to that argument all the time too. But would the movie have been different if he had been involved? How much would he been? Because obviously, if they don't have him, they're going to have to shoot it in a way to kind of minimize his face being on the screen. And you know, in the future, he's flipped upside down, so the guy who's playing him kind of looks weird anyway. Uh, you know, I, I don't. They may have used the character a little differently if he was actually there. maybe. And I thought about that as I was rewatching the movie today, and I was thinking. If you had Crispin Glover back, what I mean, with the plot that we see now, I don't see a whole lot yeah. of room. It doesn't suffer. Don't get me wrong. Right. No. I mean, this movie has its really awful moments. And a lot of them, in my mind, center around the future, 20, 2015, and the whole stupidity plot involved. Well, yeah, there's a couple things. And we'll talk, and we'll talk about that. Elizabeth Shue, Claudia Wells' replacement. Oh, my gosh. Oh, she's, it's like, oh, in the future, everyone overacts. <laughs> yeah. Everything is just so broadly played. I'm like, sell it to the cheap seats, Elizabeth. Yeah. It's just, it's so, the future. Oh, what's that? I'm so Barbie. old. What is going on? There's no doorknob. <laughs> How does the door open? Um, <laughs> you know, anyway, just, it's bad. You know what I like, though? You know what I appreciate, though, is that they, they went ahead and, and went to the trouble of, of reshooting the ending of the first movie with Elizabeth Shue. Oh, yeah, which is great. Right. That's great. I mean, I really appreciate that little, you know, extra effort there. They didn't have to. I, mean, I guess they would have had to. But but nonetheless, I don't even think that at the time I was 100% aware that there was a change. I mean, there, four years had passed. I was kind of yeah. like, eh. I, I don't know that well, I Were you a big fan it. of the original? Yeah, yeah. I loved the first one. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about this one. Where do you think... This what do you what do you, what are your impressions of this movie? I mean, do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you think it has good parts? Do you has it have bad parts? I like this movie. I do like it. I like the dystopia in the middle. The thing that just kills the whole two and three for me, in as much as I can, I still enjoy them. I own I think multiple copies of these movies. Is is the reliance on the nobody calls me chicken? <laughs> What's wrong with my chicken? What did you call me, Griff? Chicken! 
McFly! Nobody calls me chicken. You like that part? No, it's so stupid. Okay, good, because I was going to really... So stupid. When I originally, every time when someone asks me about part two, which let's face it, nobody sits around asking me every week about part two of Back to the Future. But when it happens, the first thing that comes flying out of my mouth is how much I hate the whole chicken thing. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's It's just so. It's it's such a lazy. It's lazy. It's juvenile. I don't like the fake George McFly, but he's only in there for half a second. So do I really care? No, no, no. Yeah. I don't they actually like, cut one of his scenes. There was another scene. Oh, really? Interesting. House, yeah. I don't like Michael J. Fox playing his own daughter. Mom? Mom, is that you? Uh, yeah, that's Hollywood just silliness. That's just, I guess, I, again, I'd say it's laziness. I don't like the whole. Is that you, Dad? Is that you? I mean, Mom, he's got a, are you home? Michael J. Fox has more of a five o'clock shadow as his daughter <laughs> than I do today, and I haven't shaved since Friday. The whole the whole future thing is a cartoon. It, it's just a cartoon. Yeah, I, that's okay. I don't know. That's okay. I mean, but, the future version of, of Marty McFly, you know, with the double tie, and, and it's where he picked up some stupid accent all of a sudden. Hello, hello. King of the castle. Hello. That's my dad. I'm a cartoon character. Well, ma. I mean, it's just. I never thought about that. You're right. It does, yeah, weird. Just talk like a normal human being. I mean, it's just, it's just really. But. Just scan your card, Spearsy. The chits will never know. But even beyond that, you know, you see, take that 15 or 20 minutes away from the movie. Yeah. And it becomes a pretty good movie again. I love uh, Cafe 80s. I like The Return of Mr. Strickland. Yeah. <laughs> one of the oh, most underrated fantastic. roles. Fantastic. I still like want to fist pump someone when I hear I Can't Drive 55 by Sammy Hagar. <laughs> playing outside the Biff uh, the, the, the Pleasure Jan- Palace. It's Pleasure Palace. Yeah. Smoking required. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Biff Tannen Museum. You know? Oh, it's, isn't that great? That is just so great. And I like man in America. <laughs> and I like seeing Leah Thompson as uh, Mrs. Biff Tannen with the fake boobs. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm a man of simple pleasures. <laughs> Scotch and fake boobs. Yeah. Sign me up. Oh, and maybe a little, uh, you know, a little Clint Eastwood movie here and there. Yeah, and I love the ending. You know, when it, I love. I'm going to overuse the word love, but um, just the whole idea that just the characters are overlapping on each other, overlapping on each other, overlapping. Yeah, Harry's going back. Yeah, oh yeah, that's great. I got to save myself from myself for myself, so he can get out and I can get out. Yeah, the universe doesn't explode. Yeah, and then the final scene when the Western Union guy shows up, you know, and he's got a telegram that's seventy years old. That I remember. I do remember my reaction to that scene in the theater and the, he's alive. It's like, oh, great. There's going to be more. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was Although, why does he read the letter in the rain? Yeah, like, you know. That letter is 70 years old. Get under the umbrella, you moron. It would have fallen apart in his hands automatically. Movie over. Trilogy's over. Yeah. I well, he sent me a letter, but I can't read it. So, oh well, I guess I'm stuck here. Yeah. Well, so that that, was, that would have been Robert Zemeckis' ultimate ultimate fu to the <laughs> to Hollywood. Mom, mom, is that you? Just relax, Marty. You've been asleep for almost two hours. Ugh. I had a horrible nightmare. It was terrible. Well, you're safe and sound now. Back on the good old 27th floor. 27th floor! Obviously, a lot of people get caught up in the um, predictions of the future as yeah. foreseen by this movie. So if, let's take a couple minutes to talk about that. According to Robert Zemeckis, the 2015 depicted in the movie was not meant to be an accurate description of the future. What? He he did not want to really try to predict what the future is going to be like. I think he he wanted to have some laughs with it. He wanted okay. to have some throwbacks. The, the the he wanted to have the parallels with the 80s and with the 50s, but he did not mean for this to be an accurate prediction. Nonetheless, they did do some research into what scientists thought might occur 
Oh, brother. In the year 2015. Now, now what? Scientists know, Steve. Yes. Evidently, there's going to be something called global warming. <laughs> what? A, that didn't. No. That did not get worked into this movie. Oh no, no, it's it's not 100 degrees where I live in the middle of October today. No. Is it really 100 degrees there today? Uh, it's mid 90s. Holy least. cow! It's like low 80s here in Florida. That's that's a sign that the world's really truly lost. When it comes to the future, though, and this is really funny, Carl Sagan, the famous scientist. Yeah. As said, the infinite realm of the universe, Steve. He, Sagan considers this to be, in his opinion, the greatest time travel movie ever made. Can you believe what? it? What? <laughs> yes. Um, he praises the accuracy. Most fun. Specifically, he praises the accuracy in handling the multiple timelines and, and feels like that would really happen if time travel were possible. So. Well, we all know it's the flux capacitor that makes time travel possible. I got to admit, I'm a sucker for time travel movies. I mean, and I think that's one of the reasons why I like Star Trek a little bit more than I like Star Wars because oh, there's nothing okay. there's nothing better than a, a Star Trek than movie a, or episode involving time travel. Than a double dumbass on you. Yeah. Oh my god, I never I never get tired of time travel movies. Or Spock knocking out the guy on the bus. That's yeah. So great. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so back to the future. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, 2015. I think the funniest thing now is that in 2015, when, when he's wandering the streets of Hill Valley, um, the announcement's made that the Chicago Cubs have won the World Series. Wait a minute. Cubs win World Series? Against Miami? Yeah, it's something, huh? Who would have thought? Hundreds of one shot. I wish I could go back to the beginning of the season, put some money on the Cubs. Well, I just met the Miami. What did you just say? I said I wish I could go back to the beginning of the season, put some money on the Cubbies. This actually is probably of all the uh, predictions of the future, the one that's most likely to happen. Because the Cubs are actually, as we all they know, they are in the playoffs. They're in the yeah. playoffs, and they're tied right yeah. now with the St. Louis Cardinals, and they're on a they're on a bit of a roll. So you never know. Don't um, praise them too much, though. We got that whole, you know, Southern Missouri contingent of listeners. So we don't want to. Oh, yeah. Sorry about careful. that, guys. I'm rooting for Very the Cubs. Uh, in the movie, they beat the team from Miami. Um, in 1989, it should be said that Florida didn't have any Major League Baseball teams. Uh, they have two now. That's right. Neither of which are in the playoffs. So that's. No. So they both finished pretty much uh, close to last place. The video game, The Wild Gunman, that appears in uh, Cafe 80s. That is actually a light gun game. Okay. That was made by Nintendo, but it was never offered. There wasn't an arcade version. No, but they made one for the shot. Yeah. God, <sighs> Steve, you use your hands? Yeah. It's like a baby's game. Oh, jeez. Uh, hoverboards have been shown to be possible, but are not <sighs> practical yet. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> can I just? I can imagine the sound of my skull splitting open. The day that I try to ride a uh, hoverboard. Do, did you skateboard as a kid? Yeah, but not seriously. Yeah, my my mom, ever the uh, nervous parent, uh, would not allow me to have a skateboard. So my friends would skateboard places, but yeah, no, I was riding my bike or running. <laughs> hey, wait for me, <laughs> catch up. <clears throat> there, there, I, I've, I've further cemented my dork cred. Well, I, <laughs> mine's mine's more of a not dorkiness so much as it is uh, clumsiness. My parents gave me a, a skateboard, not a very good one, if I recall. But I remember I took it outside. I put one foot on it. I took the other foot, and I swooped the ground to get going. And it went. It was just like a cartoon. Zoom! <laughs> made that little noise. <laughs> the skateboard shot ahead fifteen feet. I fell backwards three feet and cracked my head on the sidewalk. And that's physics, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I could have. I could have been a rocket scientist. I could have been a lawyer, but no. I know you're an '80s podcaster. '80s podcaster who lives in Disneyland. It's fucking wonderful. Um. Cafe 80s. Welcome to the Cafe 80s, where it's always morning in America, even in the afternoon and noon. <laughs> Our special today is mesquite grilled yes, sushi. You must have the hostage special. Yes, you, you, you must have the hostage special. Yes, yes, you, you must have the hostage special. Hey, hey, hey. All I want is a Pepsi. Yes, it is possible that in the year 2015, we have uh, devices that make us uh, nostalgic for the 80s. No. Yes. There's even 80s podcasts, I understand. It's always morning in America yeah. on the Stuck in the 80s podcast. 
the Cafe 80s in the movie that you see is actually, there's the homage. It's the, the same storefront you see in all three time zones, or not time zones, in all <laughs> three years of Back to the Pacific. <laughs> wasn't as successful of a franchise, the uh, Back to the uh, Mountain Zone. Yeah. In 1955, that's Lou's Cafe. In 1985, it's yeah, it's a, a workout club, right? It's a health I don't club. Remember seeing the name, right? And then in uh, uh, 2015, it's Cafe 80s. Self-lacing shoes. Nike has a patent for those, so that could still happen. Sure. Well, you know, Velcro is pretty close for the common man. Yeah. Uh, well, that was actually Velcro was outed. I had Velcro shoes when I was growing up. And you will again when you're 80. <laughs> oh God, let's hope not. I don't, let's face it, I'm not living to 80. Yes, you are. I lived a few. You and I are going to be recording these podcasts in the nursing home. Oh, jeez, Steve, I can't hear you. <laughs> um, Turn up your hearing aid, Williams. <laughs> flying cars, uh, stupidest idea ever. Um, but still, people are working on it. And you know what? Why is the what is the fascination? I mean, I ask you because you're an engineer. Every movie about the future, you know, at least all the ones that were based in the '80s, they all seem to have flying cars. I mean, Blade I, Runner. I think I, yeah, I think it's people just think, oh, if I could fly, you know, if you get stuck in traffic, I don't know. I live in L.A. I spend a lot of time in traffic. And, if, you know, you have these daydreams. If I could get around all these people, well, if I had a flying car, I'd just zip right over all these people. Well, the, the thing is, if you had a flying car, everybody else has one, too. So now not only is there traffic, but there's traffic up in the air. And if you have a fender bender, you fall two miles and you die. <laughs> I don't know. It's a horrible idea. Yeah. It's a horrible idea. Oh, I like the idea that when you run out of gas in a car, you just come to <laughs> you just kind of cruise over to the shoulder. Shoulder. Um when you have when you run out of gas in the air, you you crash. Yeah. You die. people die. Not just you, but whoever's house you flew into. Yeah. I took flying lessons like about 15 years ago. Did, oh, I, did you really? Did I ever tell you that? No. I, I always, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pilot, an airline yeah. pilot, and I wanted to work okay. for I wanted to work for TWA. I don't know why. But uh, I have. Might like, have missed the window on that one. Yeah. If not TWA, then definitely Braniff. So, uh. <laughs> no Pan Am for you. No Pan Am. Or Eastern. It was just kind of clear that it was never going to happen for me. You know, I, I, I don't have great vision. That's a problem. That's the first thing. You know, I just. There's about a million reasons why I shouldn't fly a plane. But in the year 2000, which for some reason sounds more in the future than 2015, that was right before the dot com bubble burst. There's a lot okay. of money to be made in freelance writing and internet writing and internet website building, and I was okay. doing all that. Sure. I was actually probably making more money for freelance than I was in my regular job, and so I had this money. I was like, "Well, nice. if I'm ever going to try to fly a plane, you know, now's this is the time." Yeah, yeah. So I I took lessons. I, I got up there and I flew like I don't know five or six hours, you know. Yeah. And it friggin' terrified me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. God, it's when you're flying in a little Cessna, it's like you're in a flying lawnmower. That thing has yeah. has no more technology than what you mow the grass with. Oh yeah, there's not a lot of advances in yeah. single no. planes. No, because it, it works. Yeah. You know? Well, the, the the good thing about it is it aerodynamics are are a fact, and if you decide to stop flying your plane and pass out, the thing you probably will glide in for a a, a landing, but. You know how you check to see how much gas you have in a Cessna? You get up on top of the wing, you open the lid, and you shake the plane back and forth to see where the, the fuel level is. <laughs> it's exactly the same way you check your lawnmower. Okay, yeah, that's how I check the Spitfire sometimes, too, because yeah. I can look down into the tank. It's, it's, this is safe. It sits right behind the seats. Yeah. That's where the gas tank is. Yeah, just like a Formula One racer. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is safe. So anyway, so um, no. So, so yeah, and me, it's an expensive hobby, too. Yeah, it was. And as soon as um, all my freelance dried up, it was about the same time I kind of realized that if I took one more flying lesson, I was going to boot all over the dashboard or <laughs> whatever they call it in a plane. See, I, I can't remember what the name of the dashboard is in a plane. But the instrument panel, something like the that. Instrument panel. Yeah, I'm sure that someone knows the answer. So anyway, so flying cars, I'm fine with uh, staying on the ground. So there you go. So those are, in my mind, the predictions of the future that um, this movie. I'm, I'm curious of. about the double tie, though. Now I think about it. You know, <laughs> I think you could do that if you had. I think I'm going to work on that. I think you could tie two ties into a double tie, like you use the skinny side and the long side on one, and the other on the oh other. Oh my. I think you could, I think you could do that. You know what I just thought of? This one might be a really interesting uh, 
movie costume for the oh. 80s cruise. You come as young Marty, and I come as old Marty. So I have the double ties, and then you have uh, the, you have the rest. And of I have it. the jeans inside out. Yeah, you have the jeans inside out. You have the self lacing shoes. The oh my gosh, that could be that was, That's a great idea. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's because I think I can get away with the older Marty better than you can. Now we're like a couple of teenagers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can have some dehydrated pizza in our cabin before we go to bed. Who's going to eat all that? Yeah, that's like, a good idea. That's a good idea. I don't know. I'm going to look. I'm going to see if I can find the double ties because I remember they were like had like a sort of a Japanese Asian look to them as well. Well, yeah, they had some yeah, just different patterns. So Marty's had this cool starburst pattern. On yeah, it. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> it could be a thing. Oh my god! So when you look back on Back to the Future Part Two, do you have a favorite scene? Uh, you know what? I like the uh, the scene where Marty confronts Biff. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, where he, you know the he's watching uh, Clint Eastwood in the hot tub, in his in suite hot tub with the uh, two lovely ladies, uh, very eighties looking ladies, and he walks in, throws the remote in the in the hot tub. It's like Gray's Sports Almanac. So there it was, minding my own business. This crazy old codger with a cane shows up. He says he's my distant relative. I don't see any resemblance. So he says, how would you like to be rich? So I said, sure. So he lays this book on me. He says, this book will tell me the outcome of every sporting event till the end of the century. All I have to do is bet on the winner and I'll never lose. So I said, what's the catch? He says, no catch. Just keep it a secret. After that, he disappeared. I never saw him again. Oh, and he told me one more thing. He said, someday a crazy, wild-eyed scientist or a kid may show up asking about that book. And if that ever happens... thought it would be you i just i love that that interaction the the old corrupt biff is is great and the office the way he's got his office set up like the desk is up on a pedestal so yeah you when you're sitting in the office you're no matter what you're three feet below him you know it's all this like power play kind of crap going on in there it's it's the one moment in the movie i think too where you where you're kind of like marty mcfly has not thought this through because <laughs> he's, he's confronting him and stuff not really realizing that hey yeah. You just unzipped your fly. <laughs> yeah, and you're fixing to step on it. So I think that's, that's a great choice. Mine, I said it earlier, it's obviously the return to my beloved decade at Cafe 80s. You must have the special. <laughs> you must have the special. It's great. I love how they're going to have a mesquite grilled sushi was one of the <laughs> items there. <laughs> oh, my God. So um, Where did we go wrong, Steve? I don't Where know. did we go wrong? When I was reading doing some of my reading for this week's show, there are obviously back to the future is a beloved franchise, right? And with the time travel, there's all kinds of opportunity to kind of read things in and like, Oh, well that, that happened. So that must've been time travel. And it spawned this almost cottage industry of crazy fan theories for the back to the future movies. And most of them are kind of pointed at the first one. There's stuff like doc Brown was, trying to commit suicide if the time machine hadn't worked he wanted it to hit him and kill him that's why he was standing in front of it what? stuff like that yeah it's a little dark, it's dark. <laughs> but my favorite for back to the future 2 is that marty actually dies in the tunnel that biff runs him over and so doc brown goes back and knows to drop the banner just at that right moment for marty to grab onto and pull him out Wow, now that makes sense because otherwise it does. Because otherwise, how does he know? Yeah, how would you know that he? Oh, wow. Huh? Huh? Something to think about. Oh, weird. Yeah, I love uh, crazy fan theories. I hadn't well, thought about that. Yeah, the other, <laughs> other kind of overarching one is: Is Doc Brown a time lord? <laughs> <laughs> well, he does seem to move back and forth with the. Uh, he, he loves him some bow ties. He never gets in any trouble. It's always everybody else who gets in trouble. Great Scott. Where does Back to the Future 2 rank among the trilogies? I hate this question because I hate my answer to this question. I like this movie, but I still think it's number three. 
It's number three in the series. Yeah, I agree. In, yeah, number three. I, I obviously the first one's the best one. Um, I, I think it suffers just because it's a middle. It's the middle child. I'm a middle child myself, so I have a little empathy for it there. But it just it's a connector. It's to get you to the next movie. And I love the old west, Back to the Future three, old west. I think that's fantastic. I'm still trying to figure out where that giant hill came from that's behind City Hall, but. <laughs> uh, it just—it's not as good as either the first or the third. The second movie. movie of a trilogy isn't always bad. I mean, uh, Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back. The the second movie might be oh, the yeah. best of the three. Um, not that you can consider Star Trek to be a trilogy, but if you did, Wrath of Khan is obviously pretty strong. Well, if you look yeah. at Aliens, the Alien franchise, then the second one is obviously the strongest one. So it—that's true. But to to your point, I mean, obviously Indiana Jones. The second one is the worst one. So yeah, which is not to say, and again, that, that example too. It's not to say it's a bad movie. I just don't think it's as good as the other no. two. And to be honest, before I rewatched it this weekend, I would have said it, it didn't even have a prayer moving into second place. But there were parts of it that I really liked. I mean, obviously the yeah. the, the nod to the to twenty fifteen is is cute, and I think it it ends really well. I like red, crazy, drunk pedestrians. Yeah. But I think I think part three, as much as I hate Wild West I, as a time period, it 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 works. It, it works. And that's it's fun. Yeah, it's it's done well. It's it doesn't take itself too seriously, but yeah, and it kind of pokes fun at the Western tropes. Like, Who dressed you like this? Uh, you did, Doc. <laughs> I have one final question for you before we wrap up our talk of uh, Back to the Future Part Two. If you were able to travel to the future or the past, um, and you wanted to make yourself rich, what method would you choose? Would you do it uh, like Biff did it with gambling? Would yeah, you I do think it if you like, do it with gambling, you're you're basically you're putting yourself out there in a public eye, right? Because everyone's going to know. Hey, did you hear about that guy that won the the super trifecta four days in a row at the <laughs> at the racetrack? But if you invest in stocks, I think you could keep a little lower profile. So I think that's where I'm. I think I think the more higher profile would be almost the hot tub time machine. You know, going. Oh, he invented yeah. Lugal. Lugal. <laughs> and and was in Molly Lou. <laughs> I I think I think. I, I would go with the game. I think I would actually pick the gambling one, but I would, but I would be smart enough not to win four trifectas in a row. <laughs> yeah, you know, fair enough. Yeah, you got to move it around a little bit. I, I, I think the stocks would be an easier way to go without incurring too much attention from anybody other than the SEC, who might start to wonder how the heck is he doing this. You know what else incurs unwanted attention from the SEC? <laughs> the seggies. That's got to be the most tortured transition ever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Ah, the mystical refrain that is reader mail bag. And uh, in the two or three weeks since we've done our last podcast, the, the mail has built up. Yeah. Sorry for the delay. Yeah, we were busy. Um, still, I am very busy. I have to uh, relaunch a website, and it's still not relaunched. But uh, probably will be by the time you listen to this. So uh, you can congratulate me then. Anyway, um, first letter from Gail in D.C. Bradley, take it away. Gail writes, Dear Stephen Brad, I'm a week behind in writing this, so you may not read it, but I have to share my happy songs of the 80s. I've been compiling happy 80s songs as running playlists for decades, versus cassette mixes, then for MP3 players, even pre-iPod, then on iPods, and today on Steve's dreaded playlist on Spotify. So coming up with some inspiring, energy-inducing songs from my favorite decade was easy. Here's my top ten. Sticks, Come Sail Away, Triumph, Magic Power, Thompson Twins with Dr. Doctor, Michael Jackson, Human Nature, Marshall Crenshaw, Someday, Someway, New Order, Bizarre Love Triangle, Asia, The Heat of the Moment, The Cure, Friday I'm in Love, U2, Where the Streets Have No Name, and Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Okay, I'm off to find the Stuck in the 80s Spotify playlist Brad said he was going to make, and we'll start running to that one. About that, 
didn't really work. A lot of those songs weren't on Spotify, but uh, Lou Grilly actually put together a uh, YouTube playlist. So if you're looking for I think we shared it on the Facebook page. If you're looking for it, you know, shoot us a note, and I'll send you the link. Gail continues, as ever, stuck in the 80s, Gail in D.C. Uh, yeah, everybody's really been super nice about sending in uh, happy playlists for Carol Jansen. Um, well, and I keep stumbling across stuff too. I'm like, oh, oh gosh, we got to put that on there. Oh, <laughs> this too. I used to, I used to be really kind of obsessed with doing like the uh, sad mopey playlists of the eighties. Oh, that's so much fun. <laughs> it is fun. It is. No, I'm being serious. I mean, I have much more fun doing those. But I mean, uh, the, the honest truth, Steve, I got nothing to be sad about. You know, I, being sad is something. You know, sad songs are something like a like when I put on a winter coat to see what it feels like. I don't really need it. I don't need the winter wow. coat. I like having a couple, but I, then I take it off and I put it back in the closet and I resume my happy life. Just, I, you know, your metaphor is making me sweat. Either that or the amount of wild turkey I've consumed over the last two days. Could be both. Uh, I, I agree. I love making sad song playlists. Yeah, they're fun. Oh, fantastic. Uh, next letter is from our old friend Bass Note. Bass Note writes, Hey, Steve, Brad, and Carol. <clears throat> I have to say your current podcast was a complete joy to listen to because many of the songs and subjects you touched on hit my nostalgia button hard. That's our job here. Brad mentioned seeing NXS on the kick tour, and that brought back memories of my friends and I seeing NXS on the same tour in Chicago. Then, when you all started talking about soundtracks from the 80s, I was lost in memories again. I, too, purchased many a soundtrack before I ever saw the movie. Thank you to Steve for mentioning I Still Believe by The Call, one of my favorite underrated 80s bands. You didn't mention it, but the person who performed that song on the Lost Boys soundtrack was Tim Capello, who was Tina Turner's muscle-bound sax player featured in many of her videos. Sweet Lou's letter and the letter from Carol's sibling made me harken back to the summer nights in 1986 and 1987 hanging out with my friends. We would go to the drive-in and hardly watch the movie. Or go to one of our houses to hardly watch movies there. (laughs) Many nights we would cruise around in my car, my buddy Vernon's, or we would go to a place we called The Sunglasses. It was a park near my friend Brad's house. Slight irony that I had a buddy named Brad. What's ironic about that, Bass Note? What? All Brads are jerks? I don't think I like your tone. Uh, He continues, In the park there was a long pond next to a hill. If you sat on the peak of the hill facing the pond, it looked like you were sitting on a nose, staring down on a pair of mirrored sunglasses. We spent many a night there sharing laughter, serious discussions, sometimes a few drinks, and jamming great tunes on an old boombox. Full moon nights were some of the best because of the reflection on the sunglasses. We only left the park when forced by the local authorities because the park was supposed to be closed at dusk. Here's some happy songs that were the soundtrack of those times for me. Good Times by NXS and Jimmy Barnes. Weapons of Love by The Truth. A Matter of Trust by Billy Joel. But Not Tonight by Depeche Mode. Electric Blue by Ice House. Bring On the Dancing Horses by Echo and the Bunnymen. Suburbia by The Pet Shop Boys. In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. There Is a Light That Never Goes Out by The Smiths. Just Like Heaven by The Cure. Hysteria by Def Leppard. Lessons in Love by Level 42. Uh, I always forget about those guys. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Uh, Living in a Dream by Pseudo Echo. That's a fun track. Not My Slave by Oingo Boingo. And Learning to Fly by Pink Floyd. I'll end the list with a couple of covers. Sting's cover of the Jimi Hendrix song Little Wing. And Walla Voodoo's great cover of the Beach Boys, Do It Again. I've always loved the podcast because it brought back great memories, but this podcast in particular really stirred the pot. Thank you so much for a terrific show. I will keep listening and will always be stuck in the 80s. Your friend, Bass Note. Wow. Did we talk about that Wall of Voodoo cover before? Um, I don't think so. But then again, mm. my memory. I wondered if it's, better days. maybe it's just on my list of covers i keep it this is so random i have a sheet of paper on my desk at work that when i a cover occurs to me i write it down on there so i can look we can use <laughs> it in a, in a show yeah yeah i guess if i was a modern man i'd use google documents or something i think that's what i do but anyway it doesn't matter or i send you a text like you get random <laughs> texts from me that just say you know wall of voodoo rich boy song and you're like what i exercise in a most unusual way i think sometimes i even send you the parking space i'm in like when i'm at the airport just so i <laughs> 
What? Bad. What's that parking spot again? <laughs> so anyway, that's fun. As always, we appreciate your letters. Uh, send them to sit80s at gmail.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, uh, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. Um, you know the drill here. We'll play a snippet of a movie from the eighties, and if you get it right, you're entered into the contest for the bottle opener, featuring the stuck in the eighties logo. Um, I think I just forwarded a couple emails to you this week with uh, addresses of people who'd won, right? Yeah, I need to get some out. Okay, let me know if you need me to take over that. I can I can try to do that too. Uh, let's see. Blah, 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 blah. Pay attention. Here's the clip from last show. What's your preference? Apple, pear, wang. That's Electric Dreams, one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, I say that not even owning a copy because you can't own a it's copy. It's impossible to find. Yeah. It's, it's only available on uh, VHS. It's like, a, it's like a Region 2 DVD is available, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's sad. Um, even sadder is I, I didn't think I, – I wasn't sure how many people would get this one right. I mean you really have to be – like a hardcore fan to get this one right. Yeah. But a few people did. So uh, tell us who won. No, nobody named Miles, strangely enough. <laughs> uh, winners include Edward in El Paso, Richard Phelps, Ryan the Pirate in Nashville, Tom, your clothes, give them to me now, in Austria, Christian Lopez, and Chris Cooling, who writes, Electric Dreams, one of my favorite 80s movies. I used to have the VHS. Never could find the laser disc. Really? Laser disc. <gasps> But I have it on digital file. Whoa! Forgotten and yes, full stop. I have it now on digital file. Stop. Yes. Send it to us, buddy. Don't don't do anything you know illegal. But if if you accidentally were to send a link that we could download it, that would not be the worst Dropbox file or something. Right. I'm not a narc, and I don't ever plan on being one. So you know, just think about it. Call me. Uh, uh, He continues. Almost forgotten, a totally underrated film. I missed this one at the theater, but I caught it on rental after we got a VCR in 1985. Watch the opening sequence and tell me it doesn't foreshadow today's reliance on technology. You know, Chris, I'd love to watch the opening sequence. You should get in touch with me. We'll talk about that. (laughs) With everyone burying their face in their own device at the cost of actually interacting with other people. What was once essentially magic, resulting from spilling champagne on a motherboard, now is the accepted concept of AI. The concepts of human relationships with AI originally portrayed for comedy are now seriously considered in works like Her, Humans, Extant, and Ex Machina. He's got a point. This movie definitely deserves inclusion on your next consideration of favorite nerd movies or movies with the best 80s music. Oh, that's great. What a great letter. Don't... (coughs) No, seriously, though... um... (laughs) If you can find some – well, here we are. Like This is probably not the best way to get Chris to send us a link. No, it isn't. So, so we'll just – We would never, never – I'm just really. – so we're if you, just, just kidding. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. Uh-huh. Wink, wink, uh-huh. wink. Uh, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. Yeah, Steve, we're a rubber. Part of your face. If you know it, email us at sit80s at gmail.com or Steve in the 80s or Brad in the 80s at gmail.com. Tune in next week to find out if you are a wiener. Ah, the mystical refrain of Name That 80s Tune. Uh, we will play a snippet of a song from the 80s. If you get it right, uh, you are entered into the drawing for the uh, Stuckanese bottle opener. Um, pay attention. Here is the clip. The last time we did our beloved Seggy. That's Only You by Yazoo. I believe it was Carol Jansen who, who uh, asked us to pick that. Yeah, she was being super bossy. <laughs> She's going to take that personally. <laughs> She's not going to know you were kidding. Oh, she'll figure it out. She also picked... She has, she has brothers. She knows yeah, we'll none see. of us mean anything we say. Yeah, but she'll still put the little guilt trip on us like, oh, I wasn't trying to be... You were... It's okay. Anyway, she also picked Electric Dreams as the uh, movie clip. So there you go. Um, we have some winners, so uh, go ahead. Our winners this week include Ken Hughes, Jeff and Chester, 
OJ from La Caruna, Spain, Tim and PA, Rob Jones in Croydon, UK, Gail in DC, Oliver Bardenhire in Germany, Trinette Mackey, Curtin Dirty Jersey, Garrett in Houston, Rock the Good Ag, Angelic from Croatia, Lou Grilly, Dave Featherston in Australia, Peter Ryan, Dr. Dim, PJ Verrecchia, Mr. Joshua in Spokane, Beat Poet J, Pinhead, and Logan, who writes, For the love of God, do a podcast on Wham and George Michael. You can't keep ignoring them. Wait, Logan, what show are you listening to? We talk about George Michael almost every week. You're not fooling us. We're not going to do it. Right after the Devo podcast. Right after the Devo okay. podcast. Deal. It'll be, a, it'll be a two for Tuesday. Devo Wamp bands with four-letter names. Um, spin the magic wheel. Let's see who gets a bottle opener. And the winner is Lou Greeley. Excelente. Huh. Nice. So you can just run that over. He's in Florida. Right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I will be back in uh, Tampa Bay next weekend, but um, just for a family dinner. Oh, then, I'll mail it. So, uh, Big baby. Send us a <laughs> mailing address, Lou. Okay, sounds great. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at the usual addresses and tune in next week to find out if you are a wiener. We'll be right back after this commercial break. back to the 80s on the first ever 80s cruise that's right seven days in the most radical party to ever hit the high seas with a totally awesome lineup of artists that define the sound of the decade join huey lewis in the news richard marks starship cool in the gang a flock of seagulls modern english naked eyes tiffany wang chung and jesse's girl the ultimate 80s party band and the original MTV VJs, Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter. As we cruise to exotic ports of core like Grand Turk, San Juan, St. Thomas, and the private island of Half Moon Key, don't forget to pack your best 80s looks because we're having a prom night, a movie costume party, pajama party, and neon beach party. You can't miss this. Sailing from February 28th through March 6th, 2016. For more information, log on to the80scruise.com or call 844 844- 384-8080. And we're back. And we have just a few minutes left. And I thought since the t- anniversary is here, it's not really an anniversary, but the October 21st, 2015 date is nearly upon us. There yeah. are some events related to that movie that are coming out on that day. Um, example number one, the most obvious, Back to the Future Part 2 will be playing in select theaters nationwide on that day. Ooh. Are you going to go? I don't know. I was just thinking I should, you know, be very sick that day and stay home and watch my uh, my Blu-rays of uh, Back to the Future One, Two, and Three. I think I'm going to skip it. Yeah, I don't know. It could be fun, but it I could also be it. kind of annoying. <laughs> it, it's annoying. Trust me. Uh, and, I'll, I'll, and I'll tell you why here in just a, in a couple of minutes. The reason why it's annoying. It was annoying when I saw Ghostbusters too because I'd just seen it. Then I had to go see the screening of it. So, um, other things that are happening on October 21st. Pepsi is going to release Pepsi Perfect on that same day. Oh, yeah, I saw that. It, They're like, it's a limited number of bottles. Yeah, and very limited. So, you're, it, it costs, I think, $21 a bottle. That's it costs, no, it costs $20.15. That's what it costs. Oh. And it comes in a special case and everything. And I was going to shotgun one for the podcast today, but, you know. Oh, no. Sorry. Not a good idea. And uh, just recently, a the, the full complete trailer for Jaws 19 is on the internet. That's funny. So I, that's, have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. I saw it. It's, it's, it's funny. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's cute. Someone... It didn't take a lot of work. Let me let me put it that way, but it's worth watching. <laughs> we'll call Drew and get his take on it. He's a trailer guy. Uh, and the reason I mentioned the whole um, not wanting to go see Back to the Future Part 2 again, I recently had the opportunity to, to see the 30th anniversary screening of The Breakfast Club. And um, Oh, that's right. Yeah, with uh, Molly Ringwald. Well, Molly Ringwald was there, and she, she did a Q&A with the audience afterwards. And I got to tell you, because we just did The Breakfast Club as our 10-year podcast. Yeah. Oh, great so, show. Right. But I just saw it. I, I just – I mean I, I kind of – when you watch a movie for the podcast, the way I do it anyway is I'm slow, I slow down. I, I rewind. I slow down. I rewind. Right. I, I really watch it carefully. Yeah. And so trust me when I say I did not need to see it again. But, <laughs> but I got invited 
to to do it and um i got invited to the event and they invited me to the to the meet and greet afterwards so i mean it was it was kind of fun to see the the movie in a big screen and see what people laugh sure. at sure yeah and and you do pick up a couple little details that maybe you missed on the small screen but uh Gina Vivanetta was there oh yeah the original uh, co-host of Stuck in the 80s. Kathy Wass was there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, another one of the... Uh, it's like the Breakfast Club 2 yeah, podcast yeah. hosts in the lobby. Right. And, and and stupid me, I didn't get a photo with the three of us. I don't know what I was thinking. I was kind of rattled, I think. You know, even Doc Brown and Marty McFly got a picture of themselves yeah. in front of the clock. Well, Come they, on, man. In all fairness, they didn't say, hey, let's get a photo together either. It wasn't like I totally dropped the ball. Okay. So now you're um, just trying to share blame. I get it. It's okay. So, But I did get a chance to, to, to hang out with Molly Ringwald for about... Uh, you know, five or ten minutes after the show. That's nice. And we talked about uh, what's she like? She's very tall. <laughs> is she? Yeah, huh. she's about as tall as I am. Um, the um, her husband was there, who looks significantly younger, but maybe he's just in really good shape for his age. Um, Hard to say. Good-looking guy, very friendly, very personable. Um, and we talked about. The, the previous time that I had interviewed her, which was on the Sweet Charity Broadway. That's right. Yeah, that's a, one of the earlier episodes. Yeah. It's not, not a very friendly interview. No. I haven't listened to it a long time, but I, what I remember is that she was really prickly. Well, we weren't doing a very good job of bringing out the warmer side of her either. So, um, okay. But we talked about that, and she said, oh, my God. The, the one thing she said was that tour was really rough on her. She, she did not expect um, it to be so physically demanding. I got to think that that's a grind. Yeah. To yeah. be doing, to be doing that kind of role and then doing it on a, in a touring company. Right. That's a young man's well, game. You do, you do eight shows a week. Yeah. And she, and, and you move towns. Right. You know? And she it's was not like, like, you're going right. back to your place. You're going back to some shitty hotel room. Every right. Night. And she, and she had done, she's done Broadway before and she's done it after, but that one in particular, she said, because there was just so much dancing involved and that's just not like her, Specialty, yeah. you know. I mean, singing she can do, acting she can do. Yeah, interesting. Throw in dancing, and it becomes every week becomes a little harder than the next. So I bet. So that might have accounted for some of the prickliness, and then plus, sure. hey, that was like year one or two. It's a, lo- it's a long time. It was ago. year one, I think, of the podcast. And, and let's face it, I, I sucked big time as an. Oh actor. come on! Don't sell yourself short. Oh, you geez. still suck. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes. <laughs> That's the thing about interviewing. You never. I, I you Sorry, never, ahead. you never get good at interviewing. I mean, you get, yeah. you get okay, but and every once in a while, you well, like I'm one to talk, right? And every once in a while, you connect up with the ball and it hit it out of the park. But most of the, it's like baseball, man. It's always an, it's it's a fresh at bat. Yeah, every yeah. you you hit one out of three, and that's you're in the Hall of Fame. So, so I have to ask you: Did you ask her about the advice column she was writing? No, how obsessed I was with this advice column. God, I don't know why I didn't. You know, that's that's the tough part is when you meet someone like that, and there's other people there who are waiting to talk to her too. Right. So you want to like, hey, so tell me about this thing. You don't want to say, hey, why aren't you doing this anymore? Because then she'd be like, uh, I could. For all I know, it could be. I thought about asking, and I thought, well, what if? What if they told her you you know you suck you suck not no, getting up page views yeah no page views so some, there's some guy named Brad Williams on the west coast of the United States is clicking it on a lot but nobody else is. right so I was like eh so I decided not to ask about that but okay well if, if you hadn't I don't know if you're at all curious 80s nation I thought the I thought her answers were pretty good there's no way of knowing whether she was actually writing them but I bet she was. Well, in any case, I hope everybody enjoys their. Uh, I hope everybody takes the day off on October twenty first, twenty fifteen, and uh, or at least takes some moment uh, out of the day to appreciate uh, the significance. Uh, the Be sure st- to post on Facebook today is the day that Marty <laughs> McFly arrives from the past. I'll be really upset if people uh, don't do that at this point. But uh, and anyway, it was a fun. It was a fun movie then. It's a fun movie now. Um, I would like to now go have some mesquite grilled sushi at Cafe 80s. <laughs> you can go back to, to uh, taking the manure out of your car. Uh, I and- told you it was a drag race. I rolled it in a drag race. Oh, my gosh. That car in a drag race. I, I lost before we even started the cars. <laughs> and in the meantime, Brad and I will be right here, hopelessly, stuck in the 80s. <laughs> Set you back to the future. Yeah. Oh, I know you did send me back to the future, but I'm back. I'm back from the future. 
Stuck in the 80s is a Class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly. Uh, you know the drill by now, as well as everybody does. You know the drill, but... Ah!